Hi, I'm Marcy. And I'm Akko. And welcome to the Color Pages Book Club, a bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from colorful backgrounds. Yes, what's up? And today we will be continuing our 2020 summer short series by discussing hey. The Third and Final Continent by Jhumpa Lahiri, which is a story from her famous Pulitzer Prize, Hemingway ooh. Foundation, and award-winning book collection, Interpreter of Melodies, which features Come nine on. short stories. I know, yes, right? Yes, God. I'm like, ooh, ooh. I, I mean, so, oh, so you're just raking in every prize? Oh, right. so you're just like, oh, so you're just like, I mean, clearly just a very casual writer, just, you know, <laughs> maybe like just in her free time does something, but like, God damn, <laughs> holy God. <laughs> right, she's like, oh, it's just something I do on the side. I just do a little. Right. Like, it's like a side hustle, you know, it's like not that deep. What like y'all are really hyping it, but like, girl, it's like, really, <laughs> like relax. <laughs> Go off, Jopa. <laughs> right. Well, before we get into that, Marcy. Yes. I have a question. Hey, what's up? Yes. So since the story we're going to be talking about today discusses a man living in a fairly odd living situation for a part of it, uh, <laughs> I read it and I was like, you are very calm. <laughs> um, what right. would you say is the weirdest living situation you've had or the weirdest story from a previous living situation? Oh my god. Okay, I actually love this question cuz I feel like a bitch has tea. Um <laughs> I'm trying to think I guess how messy I'm trying to be like Oh god. Mm. Oh, here we are. Hmm. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Let me think. Let me just talk to the lawyers in my mind and be like, okay, this is <laughs> will this get through? Let's see. You know, okay, I'll keep it a little bit a little bit more anonymous, just slightly less messy. So, I <laughs> during college, my god, college. Um I used to so I lived on campus for the first 2 years. That's where I met Akko. And for the last 2 years, I lived in this like I guess you could call it it was called like a cooperative living space off campus. And largely, I lived there because, well, one, I was just kind of bullshitting when it came to moving off campus. Like, everyone was like, oh, yeah, girl, we're moving off campus. Because, like, the culture of the school was very much, like, after sophomore year, people usually move off campus. Mm. But I was like, oh, like, oh, girl, security deposits and, like, you know, having to pay right. down all, like, all this money. Like, who has money right now? Like, what the heck? So I was like, you know what? Let me not do that. Let me just, like, stay on campus. But then I went to the financial aid office, like, basically at the end of the year because, like, again, bullshitting. And they were like, oh, yeah, girl, no, you're fine. Like, your financial aid, like, if there's ever a surplus, we can just, like, refund you some of your financial aid and you can use that to pay rent and i'm like mm. oh bitch what and they're like yeah girl we, you could have just done that from the gate and i'm like wait so like why didn't no one tell me and they're like oh well we're not gonna go out of our way <laughs> to accommodate students that can't afford this what do you think this is like you this what <laughs> we don't it's like we don't care <laughs> what <laughs> it's like girl you're here on a technicality and i'm like wow that's a bigger conversation for later but okay let me figure out my living situation so i had a friend who lived in this like cooperative off campus where basically the way it worked was that it was a living space, but it was also technically a nonprofit. I don't know what the fuck we did to be oh a nonprofit, my God, but it was I'm like dead. But the idea was like everything was completely like mutual. Like it was like like there was just like an equal investment in the home. So it was like like for example, we would like go on weekly grocery trips, like just for everyone. So we'd buy food for literally everyone. There'd be people who would like make food for the entire house. Like we would have like house meetings like every Sunday and shit. And it was kinda like th- giving you that whole energy. But it was also like very like 
you know those white people that like they like are really trying like they're like trying to yeah. like well-meaning do a thing like well-meaning but also just like ultimately a mess they like problematic as fuck and you're just like and really just annoying as hell like i'm just like you know girl me being in this black queer body like i'm not like this anthropological experiment for you like i'm just like a living person uh... i'm actually the protagonist of my life i'm not like the secondary side character that like teaches you about like intersectionality that's not that's There's not what that i i Right. I am not doing that. Mm. So basically, so after this whole thing, sophomore year, like I applied to live in the house as the story, as I'm alluding to, I was accepted to live in this house because there was a whole application and interview. It was like the most. And when I moved in, it was just like, it was giving you that energy that I just described, but also people just like weren't like sanitary. Like people would just do like nasty things that I was like, y'all are just weird there was also 18 of us in one home i'm pretty sure only 12 of us were on the lease so like a lot of us were just like onto the table with the shit and every time there was like some kind of like oh like the landlord was visiting the house like we would have to like move around beds and make it seem like people didn't live there oh and i was like God. girl this is a whole mess um and like we would have like i said we had these like long ass weekly meetings where like people would be like what are your glows and glums of the week where basically you'd have to talk about like your like high notes and low notes of the week and then that shit would take hella long mind you i waited for everything in college so like in terms of assignments i'm like bitch i'm hella behind i don't have time for a two-hour meeting on a sunday like are <laughs> so it was just like a mess but peak weirdness was um I remember my senior year. So, Akko, I think you were actually there for this. I remember during spring break, I, like, stayed on campus. And the thing is, like, the house itself was just weird. Like, it was old, and there was, like, a bunch of just, like, discarded art and, like, items yeah. from, like, people who had lived there previously. It was kind of a weird vibe, but it was usually so populated that I never really, like, noticed it. But, like, when I was, like, there for spring break, it was pretty much me, or at least I thought it was just me in the house. And... Being there by myself, I was, like, just really uncomfortable. Like, I was, like, I, I don't like the energy in this house. It feels really off. I feel like I feel like the ancestors were just, like, screaming, like, girl, get out. Girl, get out. And I'm just, like, um, you know, I feel like it's a little suspicious, but, like, I don't know. Like, like, I, was, like I didn't really know what to do. So yeah. I was, like, I, like, I live here. Like, how am I supposed to navigate this? Um, so I ended up just sleeping at pretty much Akko's apartment for most days. Um, oh, yeah. And I remember there was this one time we had gone out. And mind you, my house, mad weird. So, like, we got back from, like, the club. Because, you know, parties, woo! Uh, so, we, like, went back. And I was, like, just grabbing my shit to, like, leave. And I remember Aqua came in with me. And, like, you were also just like, oh, girl, I'm not fucking with this. Oh, I don't like this yeah. energy, bitch. This is real off. I don't like this. We got to get the fuck out, girl. We got to get... She was like, how do you live here? And I'm like, it's been two years. I have no idea. And I remember at one point, I was just about ready packing my things. And, like, we just heard something upstairs. It sounded like footsteps or some shit. Obviously, we're black, so we didn't right. investigate. So we were just like, we're going to get the fuck no. out. <laughs> like, we are not exploring this shit, bitch. No. So we literally ran out of the house. Like, it was the most. And I remember later on, I found out, like, there was actually someone who was still staying in the house. Like, I wasn't the only one there. And I was going to ask her, like, oh, like, were you, like, at home, like, you know, on this night, like, you know, that we heard these footsteps? Because there were other times where I would hear footsteps. But she, like, she kept talking and she was like, yeah, but, you know, like, I was, like, kind of in the co-op. But, like, for the most part, I was, like, staying with my boyfriend. And I was like, dun, dun, dun. I am not going to ask you when you stay with your boyfriend <laughs> because I, I believe in that kind of shit. And I'm like, I feel like it was some spirits up in that motherfucker. I feel like some twisted things might have happened. I would not put it past him. 
Yeah. Weird shit went down in that house. Oh my god, there was one it was one time where like someone had a weird breakup with their boyfriend and she just like sent a message to the group because we had like a group email chat and she was like, Yeah, so I broke up with my boyfriend, didn't really go super well. So if you see someone just like creeping around outside that you don't recognize, he kind of looks like this. Maybe just call the police. And I was like, Nope. So I like packed my shit. I like went to like one of my friends' houses for like literally like two weeks. Like I was like, Hey, do you mind if I just move in for two weeks? And he was like, Yeah, you're fine. I was like, I'm not like I'm not playing these games with y'all. It was wild, girl. Like I damn white I, people are wild. I, <laughs> I cannot, like, girl. <laughs> I remember. I, obviously, I was there for the for the ghost one, and I remember being in that house. That house is kind of um, it. Like could have been quirky. Like I feel like in the 1990s when things were like grunge and like everyone was like fuck mm. the system and like art and like you know countercultural time if that makes mm, sense exactly that's the perfect way of describing yeah. it so it was like oh this is cute if i read about it in a book but now that i'm standing here it's <laughs> odd it's a little unsettling i, I don't yeah. i don't like it <laughs> yeah i don't like it yeah and there was a lot of uh, in college of people being like this is my first experience with someone who is not like me and you're like Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, but again, remember, I have my own becoming and existence and right. Thoughts and That's like entirely separate of you. It actually has nothing yeah. to do with you, it, and it can continue to be. I actually would like if it had nothing to do with you because you're getting on my fucking nerves and get the fuck out my face. Like, oh my god, <laughs> oh my god. And then the other thing they would do, so like they would try to be like really like inclusive. Oh, see, I'm going, I'm popping off. See, like they would try to be like really inclusive and be like, oh, we're here for everybody. Like we want everyone to feel at home, but like. They were mad weird with me. Like, whenever, like, I would come downstairs and say good morning to people, they acting like they didn't hear me, but they're, like, all hugged up on each other. Like, just weird energy right. like that. And I remember, like, like I skipped some meetings because, like, you know, like, I was in college, so I had, like, papers and, like, literally other things to do, like, meetings, like, other shit. And I remember they, like, sent me this email talking about, um, you've missed too many meetings, so, like, now... Because, like, we would each do, like, a certain amount of, like, tasks around the house just, like, during the week, which, like, I was fine with. I was like, you know, I don't mind cooking dinner and, like, stuff like that. Like, whatever, that's fine. Um, but it was like, they tried to give me more things to do because I had missed meetings as like a punitive response. Like they were like, Oh, like you have to do more now. And I'm just like, but like, that's unnecessary. Cause I pay mm. rent on time. The, right. that's, I, I think we're missing the point where I pay the rent on time. So you actually can't get yeah. rid of me. Like girl, I'm staying. So like, it was just <sighs> going back to what I said about like the ruins of a more countercultural time. I think it's, it, it's almost like the mid-teens like kind of or i guess the middle of the 2010s i don't know what do you Mm -hmm. call that decade i have no idea how to call that yeah but i feel like there was almost a restriction back into sort of this conformity but again with still all these vestiges of a more like adventurous or exploratory time and so it's like you have this cooperative and yet somehow Mm -hmm. the rules of like restrictive capitalist society suddenly like starts sneaking like seep in right right but then it's annoying because okay but if we're following just like pure straight rules of capitalism i'm paying my rent so so you you still have but you still have this other thing that you can like weaponize against me it's it's really interesting and i think that's i feel like that's a petri dish for like a larger problem with like varying philosophies of how you want a country to be and how those mm-hmm. pit against each other and how those little divots cause issues. Like, exactly, like the fact that they're supposedly inclusive, but in theory, but right. it, it doesn't exist in practice, goes, right. I think, to like this idea of like 
colorblindness that was an oddly a concept mm. from like the 1999 to like 2000 like i think 10 or something but mm-hmm. whereas before that it would be like no we're inclusive in a way that we actually like address the issue in front of us um mm. so it's like how do you combine the intersection of of facing racism and trying to destroy it like as a countercultural movement with we don't see color <laughs> it's like right kind of exactly and of note most if not all of the people in that house aside from me were white like mm. it was like a like wide absolute majority were white and so it was just like one why is your response when people like fall outside of the structure that you decide it matter like why is the response to be punitive about it and like isolate them in it and like almost like vilify them for it versus actually just like maybe if someone doesn't want to be part of your like whack-ass community maybe there's a reason why maybe they don't feel invested maybe they don't feel included or seen so they're just like i'm not gonna invest my time in this because like y'all are not like y'all aren't here for me so girl why would i be here for you so one Mm -hmm. and then two it's like i don't think it's a coincidence that i was the only black person in that house and yet i had all these problems with them and there was always like a oh we're going to do this that and the third and And then like it's like my existence like disrupted your like white fantasy of like oh we're white liberals and we say that we like are anti-racist but we also are only other only friends with other white people and only really socialize with other white people and like we just like have this circle jerk of white people who like get it like we're like the better white people but we're still like uncomfortable around people of color in particular black people so um which was also yeah kind of the problem and that i'm like also- yikes. <laughs> yikes um and i think that's something i think that the south gets irritated with a liberal rich white people i mean okay the South, Southern whites get irritated about a lot of things, not all of which are legitimate. But, mm-hmm. but, and I think this happened when I moved from the South to, to the North, there was this kind of false concept that, like, well, it's better up there because it's the North and they mm-hmm. didn't have slaves, and it's false. But also, it's like this idea that's like, yeah, but we're not the South. Like, racist things only happen. This- Someone actually said that to me once when I was a kid. They're like, yeah, but you've never faced racism, racism up here. And I think there is this idea that really for the country to move forward needs to be dissuaded that like mm-hmm. liberal democratic white folks don't cause problems because MLK even said that the problem might be the white moderates. Come like, on, come that on. might be what's causing us to not bring it into the room. I think so. that's letters, letters from the Birmingham jail. If you want to read it, which you should read it. You should um, Anyway, so do you want to hear about my weird living situation? <laughs> well, that really got like, that <laughs> kind of got deeper than I expected. But yes, I would like, <laughs> I'd love to hear your living situation. Sure. So, um, well, first of all, I mean, deep is right. Like that's part of life. I feel like True. much like this story is a slice of life with various funny and deep parts. Your slice mm-hmm. of life also has these, you know, the reality of who we are and the way we, we move through the world. That's real. So my, I actually have a couple of abroad stories that are just Ooh, like yes. kind of yes, ridiculously God. silly. And there's one that's so, <laughs> I think one day someone will ask me about my life and that is, I'll have to just tell it because it's hilarious. Like sometimes I think back on it, I'm like, that's wild, but I'm not going to tell mm-hmm. that one. This one, <laughs> I I used to live, I was abroad and in lang- I, I learned the language of the country for like two years before going. So I was decently okay at it, but not brilliant. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, so I was there by myself and I was 20 
And I lived at the top of this like apartment complex and this like quickly gentrifying is like a weird word, but like the city was, it, it was increasing in wealth. And so this area was mm. like kind of remnants of like a less wealthy time. And so it was like the cement apartment building and like with these different floors. And it feels like an anime because like each floor has like different characters. Like there was like a family that like sold food <laughs> like a little outside and they lived on like floor two. And there was this like auntie who lived at floor three who like Come had on, these pots of flowers. <laughs> right. And then there's like, so then there's like black girl who like looks nothing like anyone who lives there just rolls up and starts <laughs> living there on the top floor one day. And at, I, I think it was like simultaneously adorable and like wild because they were like, at first, no one asked me who I was and why mm-hmm. I was there. But eventually everyone's like, oh, that yeah, the black girl is on the sixth floor who like learns the language like down the street at that school. Yeah, yeah, we all know about her. And I'm like, you all know about me. I have no idea who a single one of you are. And they're like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. Like I'd be walking by and they're like, oh, how's school? And I'm like, how's school? I, it's good. But how did you know I was, what? And like, <laughs> what? It was like really odd because I it was almost like this like misfitty thing and then like perfectly fine with it. Um, and mm-hmm. so, and it's just like the craziest things would happen. So like at one point, my electricity went out and I mm-hmm. and there was a bill not from me that someone hadn't paid. So some the person who the tenant before me had not paid their electricity bill, and so I didn't have mm-hmm. electricity for two weeks. Damn, because I had no idea how to pay it. And so the air conditioning in the city was very hot. It has very hot summers, and mm-hmm. and and the the air conditioning wouldn't work. And so I just like at around like <laughs> seven when things got really really hot, I would just leave mm-hmm. and like hang out in the park, which was also crazy because everyone in the community was like who's this black girl who just like shows up in the park at night and like people would have like random conversations with me and i like i would people watch and it was like kind of like magical and fun and -hmm. and i think it's it's funny because in the same way like people were looking at me like who who is this like intrigued Mm -hmm. i was like oh they're doing stuff that's interesting i like sit on a bench and like people would sit down and just like randomly talk to me or like want to touch my skin and i was like this is wild but i think i was like i think the one time that was like probably quintessential of everything and like again this was like good and bad right like i'm downplaying mm-hmm. some parts for like moderately dangerous like <laughs> mm. strangers can't be just coming around like i as a black body who like travels a black female body that travels like sometimes people think you're a prostitute and or someone bought you as a wife and or they don't mm. really care they're just going to try and like take you somewhere and you're like oh oh, oh my you, god you can't take me somewhere i actually <laughs> um Fuck. don't want to <laughs> um but anyway that's not the point of the story they're gonna be like this is so dark but it, it's <laughs> life it's a slice <laughs> of life it's not it's not it's, it's dark but it's also not dark it's just it's just right. the life i've lived Anyway, so there's this one point in the story where I'm writing in my journal. I actually still have this journal and it's me and I'm sitting there and I'm like, what? Did, I'm pontificating as I often do. Marcy, actually, I feel like I mm-hmm. called you a lot during this time because you were also abroad. Yeah. But, um, but I was like pontificating about life and probably something I talked to Marcy about, about like, the injustice in the world or something Come on. and this knock comes on my door and i was like eh? and so i get up and i open the door and it's the auntie who lives on the third floor and i was uh-huh. like can i help you and she's like yeah 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 move 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 and so she like just walked what? past me into my like through the kitchen into my bedroom and like and i was like um what's going on and then she just like opens my window and starts 
turns, <laughs> yelling down to the person like two floors below me about something. And she's like checking something in my room. And at this point, I'm like, uh-huh. so I'm like so used to like oddities happening. I'm just like sitting on my bed. And right. I like, think I was still journaling. And I was like, I'm not sure what's going on. And she's Wait, so you just down. like continue journaling? <laughs> just like this woman is in your house and you're just like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> well, I was like journaling about what was happening. And so she's yelling down. Uh, she's yes. like, oh, I checked and it's not her. It's not hers. I think it's the person in between her and you. And she was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. And the lady turns back and she looks at me. And she's like, sorry, sorry, that wasn't you. It's fine. She's like, if you ever want lunch, just come down to my place. Okay, bye. And like, what? <laughs> like slides out of the, the, the room. And I was like, I literally sat there, like blinked three times and was like, <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> but I, I wait, 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 did she ever say like, oh, like when she said it wasn't you, like did she ever say for what? No, no. Was she like, like, oh, it wasn't you? What the yep. fuck? Wait, what I have the no fuck? idea. I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> Mad weird. Oh my god. I think it was a mixture of like, oh, the foreigner doesn't like could have broken something, but like didn't know, and so we should just go fix it. And then she was like, actually, it's not you. It's someone else's apartment. And so I'm sure there was mm. something that connected all the apartments together. But I actually. I know it sounds like crazy, but I think it really helped me when I was 20 to live in such an interesting and kind of, um, <laughs> I, I, I think it helped me sort of, I, I, I was very anxious as a young person mm-hmm. because of a lot of things, a lot of them race related, but I, I, I mm-hmm. had a very anxious personality, sort of need for things to be a certain way um, and to find a comfort in that. And for things to be so obviously and so forthrightly <laughs> an affront to <laughs> any normalcy. I know right. that sounds, maybe people won't get this, but if someone does, I hope it resonates. But that moment when things are so absurd that you just mm-hmm. like sit down and you're like, oh, the world makes no sense is almost comforting. It almost, mm-hmm. there's something like, oh. And then you're very you're almost forced to be in your own body and like mm-hmm. not have outside stimulus to f- determine who you are. And then you, you you find this sort of relationship with yourself, this peace with yourself that's, I think, more powerful than any circumstance mm. uh, can give you. So I, I think that was very much because I, I, I was just rolling around the city all the time trying to figure stuff out, not knowing how uh-huh. to get groceries, not how to find <laughs> things. But then also at the same time, relying on the goodwill and and the, the of strangers and so it was a mixture mm-hmm. of the world being very scary and kind of ridiculous but also strangely at times kind mm-hmm. um and i think that's when you experience that outside of your normal day-to-day life and your normal structure where you mm-hmm. regardless of if you're at the top of that you know, social hierarchy or the bottom or the middle, wherever, when when you're sort of removed from it and allowed to sort of be in a different space in a different way. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's something you kind of feel and see the humanity of people in a way mm. that makes you understand a little bit more even about the structure you live in. And regardless if, if you do or not, understand who you are in the world and mm. move through it in a way that... I don't know. It, it helped me. I don't know if it helps everyone. So... yeah. Wow, that's really beautiful. And just really quickly, as someone who also has <laughs> lived abroad, there's always those moments that happen where you're just like, like some like some shit will just happen. You're like, bro, this is the most ridiculous shit. Like, what is like, like what is this? But also, it's kind of like 
I always have that moment where I step back and I'm like, okay, so is what's happening absurd? Are the people that are like I'm that are like in this scene absurd, or like mm-hmm. am I the one that's absurd? Like, yes, what is it that's making this absurd? But exactly. me, like, this is like completely normal for like you know, yeah. for like yeah. folks here to do. So like, I'm the one who like it's like is is it a little absurd that I'm even here? You know, it's just right. like you just exactly. have to zoom out or look at exactly. the whole thing. You're like, bro, I'm really just in this whole ass other country. I just showed up out of nowhere, and then I'm like, oh, girl, this is wild. It's like, yeah. bitch, you're be you being here. <laughs> what do you mean exactly (laughs) that's brilliant marcy and i think that's i wish people would take that when they go anywhere it's like you in the space one innately change the space Mm -hmm. remember that you're not just an observer i think there's a lot of like oh i'm observing this thing happening which honestly is a short story too and i think it's it's a fair thing people think uh and then Mm -hmm. the second thing is that yeah like what exactly is absurdity? Like we have this idea of what a normal life would look like and anything that doesn't fit in that is absurd. But like if it's mm-hmm. happening, it's normal. And I think that's what I kind Ooh. of meant earlier when I said like, I know this is going to sound dark, but that's just life. But I think that's what's kind of great about a slice of life too. It's like, mm. because we, ha- it's like, you may think that this is normal, but there are a thousand million trillion different types of normal because anything that happens mm. is something that could happen and did happen. And that's Oof. just the different flavors of the human experience and existence. And oh sometimes, <laughs> sometimes seeing someone else's and it's banality and pedestrianness or in it's, greatness and amazingness mm-hmm. is what you need to know to just understand the human experience to, to have a little right. more insight so mm. no that's real and it just shows you like the freedom in in i guess what we define as absurdity like to, it really kind of shows i guess how limited one's scope can be yep. when it's like you're so quick to call things absurd or weird mm-hmm. or strange or whatever and it's just like why is it that like things that depart from this very specific definition that you have defined is like your normal like why does everything else have to be this other thing? you know like it's just like yep, this other it's all it's all just in context like it's, it's not saying you can't react to things or things can't be like wow this is wild like i can't believe that this is happening but i think having that introspection and being like well at the same time like the way i do shit or the way i go about my life or whatever it's like you, you could just as easily be like girl this is absurd that's wild like that's huh (laughs) interesting exactly and then and and i think this happened for both of us too when you go somewhere else like the racism in other countries is obviously a thing and it's anti-blackness is a thing but it's Mm -hmm. different and so when you go somewhere else and you see that you see i guess the quote-unquote is absurd which again i'm not saying anything is absurd but what's Mm -hmm. something so different from you then you go back to your own social structure it starts to look absurd racism Mm. is absurd right and it's insanely ridiculous Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's so normalized to the point that it is absurd to not think it is normal and so Mm -hmm. that's the thing that i think is helpful about not being in the same place all your life or or even reading about other people's lives is to know that oppression specifically works really effectively when you can believe that there's no other way to be when your station in life is not just a subjective reality but in fact the only reality that exists so that the way the world sees you is a transcendental thing you know as opposed to Mm. a a social thing 
Um, right. And and when it gets to that way, right, like oppression can seep into not just your oppression and the the flip side, whoever's doing their oppressing. It's not just it. Then it seeps into you. It becomes an identity. And mm. going somewhere else, if you will allow it to, can help you free yourself from the idea that these things are so permanent. Right. If you allow them to, because I mean, Marcy, the story you're telling about either co- your co-op is in is absurd, right? <laughs> like, right. That that can't how how do how do these two philosophies exist in one space? But obviously, mm-hmm. they did. Exactly, and it's funny how like just two quick things. I think that that friction of the inconsistency of culture, especially being in someone who's like, I feel like the co-op in a lot of ways is like a microcosm of just like life and that it's like, clearly this was designed without me in mind. And so you see all the ways that it's fallacious and ridiculous, mm. but like people who really like buy stock in it, it's like, wow, you, you motherfuckers really don't even see the shit for what it is. And it's interesting too, how like sometimes when you're abroad, like it's interesting when you talk to other people who are, you know, in this instance, like also from the US and like hear what they consider to be absurd and how a lot of those things this has happened to me a lot a lot of the things that people yes. would like complain about were things that i thought were totally normal or things yes, that i, I personally do yep. with my own like you know community back home or like just like with people that you know it's just like it's like these are cultural attributes that i also possess mm-hmm. and yet so you know like it's just it's, it's interesting seeing it also in the ways in which it's like damn like it's a lot of things different going on but at the same time bitch we, we got a lot, lot of shit in same. common it's a lot of shit yep, in common. Yep. i noticed that too i was like wow me being african fits so well into some of these situations that i'm like oh of mm-hmm. course it, in a way that it was in times at tension in in america but when mm-hmm. then i was abroad and they were like oh of course that's that is only the right thing to do and i was like we are so exactly. different and yet somehow right. we are the same mm-hmm. oh my god yep damn that weirdly transitioned well into the story that we're actually going to talk about (laughs) i feel like people are going to think that we're very good at planning and you know what keep thinking that (laughs) we just just keep thinking it girl just just think that because you know that all that mm -hmm, boom so (laughs) we're going to take a quick break and we get back we're going to talk about the third and final continent Yes. <laughs> so, inter- <laughs> Interpreters of Maladies is basically just a collection of short stories. And they focus mostly on South Asian individuals, both in the diaspora or in India, but kind of with a connection to other places. Mm-hmm. What I really like about this story is that it just, it's good and important, I think, to read other people's lives and other people's kind of slices of life. Kind of like we were saying earlier to just see the, the way they're similar and the way they're different. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think it gives you a better idea of humanity. Now, did we read all nine of the short stories? No. Mm-hmm. But, no. <laughs> but, I mean, it's we read one and we really liked it. I, I, I read another one, so I can talk about it a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we just, we just wanted to give you like a little tidbit. So if you want to go mm-hmm. and read more, we like obviously highly encourage it. So yeah, yeah, but we're going to start off with a quick summary of the one we did read, which is The Third and Final Continent. Yes. So thank you for that, Akko. So just real quick to sort of put this story in context. Well, we're probably just going to do the 
summary and the discussion in the same block just because i mean this should not <laughs> this is a summer short girl it's probably not going to take, take that long so yes so to start with the third and final continent the story follows an unnamed indian bengali man who's from calcutta um, but he moves from india to london to study at the london school of economics but then later in life moves from london to boston so it's kind of just like following his life it's like a very cute like slice of life like just sort of like a warm like you know beginning So we don't know how old he is specifically, but what we do know is that he moves to London from India in 1964, like I said, to go to the London School of Economics. And while living there, while he's like studying, he like lives with a bunch of other mostly Bengali bachelors, so like other guys, and like they pretty much just like spend all their time eating like egg curry, watching cricket, drinking tea, just like chilling and just like, you know, just doing them. Very much gives you kind of like, okay, girl, we just we just push it through. Yeah, like you know when you're like a young adult and you're just like, <laughs> I'm like I'm like y'all motherfuckers eat egg curry every day. Yeah. I was like, my god. Um, so yeah, so basically they so it kind of like you know sort of glosses over his experience there, and essentially at the very end of it, he gets a full time job offer at MIT, which is in Boston. So before he moves to Boston, actually, he actually goes back to India because he had a marriage arranged for him by his, I think it was his older brother and his brother's partner. And so he gets married to a woman named Mala, who's 27 years old. And they like spend some time together, but like during it, they don't necessarily know each other. And Mala also just like is really like she weeps for the most part because she like misses her family and she also knows that she's gonna have to move to the u.s and and, like honestly i mean it's just same like just like fuck like oh god um so just a lot of kind of converging feelings there so essentially yeah so going back so the dude like moves to boston and he starts off living at a ymca where he pretty much just like ate cornflakes and milk and just like would do that and like look out the window and just sort of like just work at his job at I think it was like at the library at MIT yes um and it was sort of just like a slow adjustment it was weird though because I mean there was a lot of adjustment that he had to do from uh, the UK to the US and like you know the fact that like people drive on the right side of the road and like you know a lot of Americans ain't shit (laughs) it's just like a lot of things he was like fuck there's a lot to get used to um he also lived in not I mean in where he was living in the YMCA like it was a really noisy area like there wasn't a lot of peace and so it was just kind of like a rough living situation so he was like okay like mala's moving here in like six weeks and like i was gonna just stay in the ymca but honestly girl this ain't it so i need to kind of find somewhere else to live so he looks through i guess like the new newspaper and he finds like you know some housing opportunities and so there's like this woman named mrs croft who only like she has like a room in her house and she like will usually rent it out to like boys or like young men who like are like students at either Harvard or like MIT. Harvard. Harvard. So basically she's like, oh shit. Cause it's like, it's $8 a week too, girls. So I'm like, girl, when am I, when are we moving in? Because what? Eight. Oh my God. So that's literally $32 a month. Um, so like, so basically he calls her. Um, and he's like, hey, like I saw your posting. And then she was like, are you from Harvard or Tech? <laughs> and he's like, Tech? Question mark. And like, Mrs. Croft just kind of gives you like some weird energy. Like she's like real to the point, just kind of jumping into shit, like real forthright with it. But he's like, girl, whatever, it's eight dollars. I mean, I even like be bugging right now. Also, for context, at this point, it's 1969, so five years have passed since he's, I guess, since the very beginning of the story. And so, like you know, in 1969, like you know, that was the moon landing and the like from astronauts in the U.S. And so it's like this whole thing. Motherfuckers are like, oh my god, we like went to the moon, like. 
we went to the moon. Um, so like that's like a huge thing. So Isn't it crazy though to still think that like humans just travel to space, right? We just that's a thing that we do. Anyway, sorry. Right. And then it's also like, why was the first instinct to just put a flagpole and be like, I this is ours? I was it's like, like really? why do we, you could have just been like, oh, we went to the moon. It was like yeah. a highly documented experience. We don't necessarily need to colonize the moon, but. <laughs> right. It did seem a little like, really? For context, the Cold War was happening. And I think there was a lot of like. That's fair. No, I mean, that doesn't justify it. That's just an explanation. I'm just thinking, right. I'm You're just like, wait, oh, we still don't agree, but. <laughs> right, but the, the mentality. Anyway, continue. Okay. So, yeah, so basically, so Dude goes over to Mrs. Croft's house, and like I said, she's a little forthright, kind of eccentric, and they end up kind of like having this conversation where, like, you know, she's like, she's very like put together. She has this like long black skirt that she just like wears, and she like sits on this bench like near the door, and they like have this like quick conversation, whatever, whatever, and then she's like, oh, like sit next to me boy like whatever whatever and she's like bro can you believe that like we like we like landed on the moon like that's like amazing he was like yeah like that that's wild he's like it's splendid isn't it and he's like yep that's that's cool she's like (laughs) say it's splendid i need you to say it and he was like what and she's like i need you to say it was splendid and he was like am i she was like i need you he's like okay damn um (laughs) It was splendid. She's like, I'm sorry, you actually weren't loud enough. And he was like, it's splendid. Like he had to like, it was like this weird thing where she was like, I need you to say it was splendid and be loud. With it. Say it with your chest. And it was just right. kind of like, what the fuck? Why? <laughs> so it's like this. So like, and then after that, they just like sit awkwardly next to each other, given that that was all like just a very awkward exchange. <laughs> um, but at the same time, he was also a like, girl, $8. It's fine. Whatever. And so, so like I said, his wife Mala is moving to Boston in six weeks. And so throughout the summer, like, that pretty much just continues. Like, it's like yeah. she, every day, like, he'll, like, leave his room on his way to, to MIT. And, like, you know, Mrs. Croft will be sitting there. And he'll sit down next to her. And she'll be like, oh, my God, we went to the moon. Like, that's so wild, right? Isn't it splendid? And he's like, yep, it's splendid. And she's like, say it's splendid. And he's like, it's splendid. And she's like, good job. And then he, like, leaves and like, just like, comes back and it's, like, this ritual. And it's one of those things where it's it's a little, it's strange, but it's also framed as kind of comforting in a way. Like, it's, like, he doesn't necessarily know many people. Like, you know, Mrs. Croft is really, like, pretty much his only real social outlet that we see, at least in depth. Like, I'm sure he might have some at MIT. But, like, these exchanges that he has with her, right. he's, like, this is wild. But you're also, like, kind of, like, you're not problematic. You're just kind of weird. And, like, I mean, we are living together. So, like, whatever. Um... And eventually, it kind of follows them doing this. And then eventually, the protagonist meets um, Mrs. Croft's 64-year-old daughter, Helen, who Mrs. Croft is shady towards. But Akko will get into all of that. (laughs) Right. And so we learn a couple of things. One, we learn that Mrs. Croft used to teach piano for 40 years after her husband Mm-hmm. kind of passed away and she became widowed and then you're like wait how old is mrs croft and you're like oh she's a hundred and three and you're like yes oh, oh three you, digits she, you, she has seen a century and then so god then so. damn it's <laughs> like, like yeah it's crazy and he points out like wait she was born in 1866 that's like a whole nother animal than now yep. and you're like that's facts man facts. um when did this when did the civil war end 1965 no oh my god 1865 <laughs> but i was just thinking like she was what a year after the civil war ended yeah up until 1969 in which like the civil rights movement 
had like yeah. reached an apex. What a wow! That's a crazy time span. That seems symbolic. Over time. Yeah, that's a good interesting. Point. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's not that's not the point of the story. So anyway, yeah, they so, didn't explore this. This is just us, <laughs> right? Know, just none of that wilding. is <laughs> right. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so him thinking about her teaching piano for forty years reminds him of his own mother, who actually fell into this deep, deep depression after his father died. And there's definitely mm-hmm. like a parallels here of his sort of feelings towards her and and wanting to protect her, and and, and the same way he felt about his mom. And 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 mm-hmm. it, he, it goes into a little bit of him having to take on sort of. Even in a sense, like a big brother role, because his his older brother was devastated for a moment by all of this. Mm. So anyway, so then Mala rolls up and she's like, "Hey, I'm here in America now." Um, and he's he's kind of um, he's not like particular. He he describes everything in a very matter of fact way, um, mm-hmm. and he doesn't really feel much. It's it's almost like he's like, "Well, this is a thing now. Like, uh, right. she's here now. She makes dinner, and I." give her money and she like fixes the house and it's not it's not described in a particularly like romantic way but then Mm -hmm. he's an unreliable narrator in my opinion because he's feeling a lot of things but that's not how he describes things so there's a one point Mm -hmm. where he takes mala to go see mrs croft and (laughs) mrs croft is still at this point they, they moved out so yes. they completely moved out. Yeah. Yes. And Mrs. Croft said like she also was like when her daughter Helen was talking to him, she was like, you two cannot be talking together alone, unaccompanied by an adult. And you're like, right. uh, what? And then like <laughs> Helen's like, mom, it's 1969. And she's like, and? And you're like, I mean, honestly, <laughs> that's that 100 year energy. Like I got Helen. She's right. like, and? <laughs> so they move out. Yes. And so they go back to visit and he just kind of wants to introduce her to Mrs. Croft. And Mrs. Croft was like broken her hip and Helen's like, I just there's you can't leave her alone for like half a second and mrs crop yeah. is like not like she's still yelling about something like she's not right. down for the counter or anything just a mess um and mala's like you know that moment when you're in a situation you're just like wait how did i get here right <laughs> it's like my whole life really just led up to this right ashy moment. ass moment like honestly exactly. like um but he also says like it's it's like in that moment where i realized like we were intertwined like me and mala were just we're in it together like this is mm. this is my life now like this is and not in and more like a, a fondness as opposed to before which was very very matter of fact right and so time passes and they like kind of mala and the protagonist like go to love each other and they have a son and then also mrs croft passes away and the protagonist Yum. is devastated and it's really upsetting and and sad um and mala's kind of there and eventually the son gets admitted into Harvard. <laughs> Harvard. <laughs> and uh, Mela and the protagonist kind of continue to tell the story of Mrs. Croft. And it, like, it's it's not really, it's just like a part in their lives. Like, it's just something that's right. part of their lives. And they like, that's the end of the story. They kind of just talk about things. And then the protagonist kind of thinks like, okay, one day my son's going to think it's crazy that it was $8 for rent, which true we do think that's true. crazy and he's like mm-hmm. he's gonna think me moving is crazy and he's gonna go on off on his own and try to figure out what the world means to him and mm. he's kind of like you know if i can move to three continents you know india uh uh india is not a continent but 
two, three, three different continents. And he's like, on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going to murder me. I, I simply mean <laughs> India, London, and America. Oh my God. India, London, and Boston are on three different continents. And yes. so the point is, if I can move to three different continents, I, you know, nothing is, is sort of impossible. I am just, please don't come from my life, y'all. I know the continent. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fine. No, I don't think anyone's going to like at you and be like, wow, I know, honestly. Um, yeah, so like that's pretty much that. I guess we can just kind of jump into a little scotion. Um Generally, I like this story because, you know, especially when we think about, you know, like an unkindness of ghosts and like all these other stories that we read that are very like super plot focused and like shit's going down and girl, here's the apex bitch. And, oh my God, girl, climax. Like it's just a lot of shit going on. It's just nice to read just a nice story where it's just like, it read like a summer breeze, if that makes sense. Like, it was just a very, like, mm. calming sort of story. And yes, there was, like, you know, a different influx of different emotions and, like, there was depth to it. I'm not going to say that it was light necessarily, but it was just, like, and I think a lot of it is sort of the fact that the narrator was sort of, like, more matter of fact. Like, just kind of had, like, almost like a monotone sort of expression. It just sort of made it not stressful to read. Like, it was just a very, like, it's like, oh, this happened, then this happened, and then we did this. And then I met this woman who was mad weird, but I, like, kind of was fond towards her. And it was nice to see how, like, even though, I mean, I think that we sometimes will codify this within, like, masculinity, this idea of, like, feeling things but not necessarily always expressing it. And, like, I I don't think that that's always the healthiest way of approaching it. Um, but at the same time, sometimes it is nice to see, I guess, like, being able to couple one's actions to a direct sentiment. So, for example, while he made out said to Mrs. Croft, like, oh, like, you know, because after a while when, you know, when he was still waiting for Mala to get to the U.S., he was like, he like you know he would like make sure Mrs. Croft was okay. He would check on her and things like that. But like you know, when, whenever he paid his rent, for example, rather than leaving it on the piano like she instructed him, he he would just give it to her, and that was a gesture that she really appreciated. Just like those small things where it's like you clearly care about this woman, and like, and like even when he found out her age, he was like, oh my god, you're 103 years old. Like, what if something happens to you? Like, oh my god, like I like we need to be like he was like, holy shit, like I like I need to step my A game up. Like, fuck. And so it's just one of those things where it's like you clearly uh, like like you feel a lot and you care about this person and like it's just nice to see you expressing those things without necessarily you know like it's just while also maintaining this I guess kind of like yeah more monotone emotional range if that makes sense yeah I know it's just like light and calming and I enjoyed yeah. it yeah I, the the writer is definitely I mean it did win a Pulitzer Prize, so I, I don't think I'm going crazy to be like, she's a very good writer. Oh, right. Really? <laughs> um, Just wildin'. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Hot take. Fuego take. Right. No, but um, yeah, she, she, her economy of words is very effective, right? She she uses them pretty mm. with an intentionality. I, I find that he, while not saying his emotions, he never shies from them. You know, he, he actually talks mm. very deeply about his emotions with his mother and, right. and with Mrs. Croft and even Mala. And I, I think what I like about the book is that sort of like we were talking about at the beginning of this episode, we think our lives are supposed to look one way, even when mm-hmm. they're even when we're doing the things we're supposed to do. And and you think that um, certain emotions are supposed to attach to things or they just will because you're alive and 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 that's not always the case for various reasons so it's the mm. growing up process the, the becoming the being and, and moving through the world it doesn't hit the notes that you see sometimes or you're told even i was going to say in media but mm. even not even that just like the way you you know if you grow up and your parents live a certain way you think your life will track pretty similarly 
And so it's almost like a moment where you're like, wait, I'm 32. I'm marrying this 27-year-old, but I don't feel anything. But I know I'm supposed to be doing it. But then at the same time, life will surprise you. And and the emotions you'll feel for things will be so sudden and intense. And, and it's suddenly very much your own story. And mm. the most the most random things will do that. And the the most random things will allow you to process things. And you can kind of tell when he's with Mrs. Croft that perhaps all this travel and stuff has kind of made him sort of <laughs> lose the fun of the surreal absurdity of life. And mm. so Mrs. Croft kind of insisting that he say it's splendid. Right. You know, on the one hand, it's Say it's splendid. Like, it's like, okay. Right. <laughs> and it's like what I was saying. It's like when this woman is like outside the window yelling and like telling me to have lunch with her. And it's like, it, it almost jolts you from this complacency of, of this conveyor mm. belt life. And it, it forces you into the reality that the world is absurd. <laughs> that it's, right. and that's, fine and that's part of it and it's like you don't need to you know that's that's something to experience and so in my mind i see that scene with him being like yelling like it's splendid like with this almost youthful like you know what i mean this beautiful usefulness Mm. of someone who's who's gone through so much and there's no one there to guide them that they just need Mm. you know someone in their life that's almost like a becoming it's a becoming a coming of age um and Mm -hmm. i like that it's longer i like that he's 32 when it Mm. happens and I like that, yeah, exactly. Like life just isn't always the way you think it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I know Marcy, I was gonna, I, I read another story and I'll talk about it, but probably at the end. I, I there, Another point I wanted to make um, mm-hmm. is that I really was intrigued by Mala's character and I, I wish mm-hmm. we could have seen more of her because <laughs> there's a couple mm-hmm. of things. One, there's a line where they're like, oh, their daughter was 27 and not light-skinned and so her marriage prospects were low. And I was like, Am I also 27? Am I also not light-skinned? <laughs> I was like, me and, Mala, me and Mala are like in the same boat. And and I, I want it, her becoming seems so interesting to me because it would be terrifying to move to another continent on a marriage. Just because you, I am 27, I, I, just because someone says it's time for you to get married and you, mm-hmm. because you can't find a spouse here, you have to just go with someone else to a different country. Doesn't, you're still, it's not that you're a kid, but Jesus, like mm-hmm. that's, that's it's it's the same way he's like i didn't think my life would go this way i i don't think she thought her life would go this way you know i I don't think she thought she would be jolted into another country to to live the rest of her days there (laughs) which Mm -hmm. they've decided to do and i i think what i also love about this book so i i would have loved to see more of her but even in the tidbits that you get i I really felt for her her like kind of crying next to this person and and then there's no comfort there like Mm. her crying is so real because he doesn't have the capacity to have any emotional wherewithal to help her and so her crying is like (laughs) so incredibly obviously you know the the reaction to that situation I, Mm -hmm. i think also the immigrant narrative underlying the whole thing is really strong in its everydayness of it and 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 there's something very familiar to anyone who's who has an immigrant narrative and that sort of, obviously everyone's immigrant narrative is, is different, but in that change of life in that mm-hmm. coming to terms with a different e- existence and it's, um, it's the consequences that reverberate, not just for your lifetime, but like your kin. Mm. I, I, I really like that. And somehow this book manages to do that in a very short amount of time, but like beautifully and, and, and without overemphasis. In fact, right. it almost emphasizes the lack of emphasis to explain that like, while this may seem wild, but also kind of not, it's also mm-hmm. just life. Um, yeah. 
I am no, talking so so much. What what did you think, Marcy? <laughs> I, no, actually, I, I I agree with you, and I think that I would also have just loved to have seen Mala's like initial impressions of everything because mm. it seemed like she was kind of like reacting to everything and was like, "Bro, like the U.S., like what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> where, she was. Where yeah. am I?" Uh, but even like towards the protagonist, like I remember there was one moment where uh, the protagonist is talking about how at one point Mala was like like asked to borrow some money so she could like buy well it was like basic shit like she went to basic buy stuff. like it's like utensils or just like like a tablecloth or just something that was just like you you would just assume that this was in someone's home and it was just kind of like it was one of those things where like the protagonist had clearly gotten very used to just like mm. like i mean I, like i think that like the fact that he would eat egg curry every day when he was in london and he would eat right. cornflakes and milk every day for literally every meal like it was just like he was just very used to just like not like just having a very limited range of like things that he would experience in terms of like mm. cuisine and stuff like that. And she was just kind of like, girl, how do you only have like you, she was like, like girl, let's get garlic. How do we not have garlic? Let's get right. some uh, season. What adobo? are you doing? What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just kind of like, I would have loved to see sort of be like, what the fuck? How are you are living like this? What right. is this? And then um, to like, think about it. Like you're, you've married this person. They've sent you off. You don't know what you were expecting when you got over there, but then you get mm. in here and this guy, like there's no tablecloths. You're like, okay. Right. I'm you know what i mean and then to have to navigate being like i'm i know that this is america and things are different but i don't think it's so different that people don't put things on their table <laughs> you know what i mean and to just have to figure that out there's very much a becoming there um exactly exactly yeah like and there like you said all the things you mentioned about you know her complexion and just like the her family's perception of her so many different things i was like this could have been a really interesting like i would love to have seen what her psychology was around all of this granted it sounds like it all worked out in the end but it was just like mm. i feel like there was a lot of like you know okay you're moving for this guy and you're just you just have to make this life work whereas at the very least like he was sort of able to you know go to school and like you know and apply for jobs things. and end up there yeah. and it was very much like he kind of i mean yes not to eliminate the struggle that he experienced living in these different places but it was like there was more of an autonomy there that like she wasn't necessarily afforded and so like mm-hmm. i would just yeah be curious to see sort of what are the nuance because again at the very end you know it's from his perspective of like oh yeah you know things were lit and like da, 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 but it's just like not to say that things weren't but it's just like i just want to see like what she think like mala what do you think like what are mm-hmm. your thoughts i would love to talk to you about it and not saying it has to be different but like is it like it's just like i'm like yeah. mm, like i'm like leaning in with like my monocle and like glass I'm of orange dead. juice you know <laughs> um so just like she's like who the fuck is this and i'm like i'm sorry mala my name is actually marcy there's a podcast <laughs> oh wait this is written in 1999 i'm sorry I, let, let me just, i'm sorry i i, I the space-time continuum look over there and i just like jump away <laughs> disappear um, into, like the space-time like i can't even right oh, it's like God. what the fuck just happened <laughs> I'm, I'm Marcy. I'm dead. Like <laughs> truly, um, a mess. Oh my god! But gosh. yeah, but, you make a. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Keep going. <laughs> I was gonna say you make a good point too. This is written. It's written in 1999, and it has very much a sense of a 20th century book. I don't know what the 21st century book sounds like. To be honest with you, that's like actually a good point. I just said that, mm. but now I don't know. But it reads very 20th century. Um, yeah, and the farther we get from that century it's weird to have been born there and then also be like the farther we get from it but the farther we get from it that tone it has a very specific tone a very Mm. yeah and and so there's that and it's maybe there's also a delight in that so i don't know read it for that little delight as well Mm. um yeah it's not a glorification of the normal but almost a and not a 
I don't know what to call it, but simply maybe an indulgence of the normal or like mm-hmm. a finding of the the value of mm-hmm. of sort of a very normal story. Um Right. Yeah. Interesting. I liked it. it just, I liked it. I think I'll read more. Yeah. <laughs> and it was funny too how he was so quick to be like, Yeah, you know, I just live my normal everyday pedestrian life and everyone's like, Girl, mm, this is crazy. actually a really dynamic and interesting yep. life that you've yep. led. Like this is I mean, it's ordinary to you, but this is a lot of shit happened. Right. Met some interesting people. This is um just by Nate, this is just innately interesting. Not so normal, like- right? Exactly. But also, exactly, it's innately interesting. And I also, I think what I love about that concept is for POCs, for various POCs, your life just isn't going to look like a lot of things you see in media all the time. Mm-hmm. And so to have that perspective, like you're not weird because your life is different. You know what I mean? Right. And you and you should almost try to, like he said, like. Yeah, sometimes it's it's crazy. Sometimes it's pretty, you know, pedestrian. But mm-hmm. that's kind of the adventure of it. You know what I mean? That's the adventure of living is is that you're going to have a life that's so... There is no textbook to it. And you're just trying to get through. <laughs> and, it's, and, and when we try to force ourselves into scripts, maybe I'm still thinking about the wedding date. But when we try to force ourselves into <laughs> scripts, maybe sometimes we lose what's so particularly interesting about our own lives mm. yeah so i i like that like maybe it's it would behoove us perhaps behoove come as, on behoove <laughs> yes god <laughs> um to not live so our lives so comparatively oh because there is a lot that gets lost in that oh yeah. my god i'm into that i like that also appreciate the shade towards wedding date because <laughs> Oh God! Please don't come for me. It's a book that people can read and enjoy. <laughs> like, it's like okay, 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 you know, you, you know, you can enjoy the wedding date. Like, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, I I won't enjoy it with you, but you could. Um, right, like that's the thing you can do. Um, I'm not yeah. going to stop you from that, but. So <laughs> I, have a, I have a quote. If we yes. Wanna... <laughs> oh no! I should tell you about the other story. So so mm-hmm. there's more than one story. And so the other one I wrote was called "Sexy," and it's basically about this woman and she's she's white and the the man is south asian i think he's also bengali actually but mm-hmm. he's married and she is not and she is his mistress uh, for lack of a better word uh, are they in the u.s they're in the u.s and okay. it's interesting because it's kind of a meta story because her co-worker who is also a south asian is on the phone with her cousin whose spouse is also cheating with her of uh, cheating on her what with a person from london uh who's younger than that so she basically is the is the mistress that her co-worker is talking to with her friend but she's not actually like i thought that at first i was like oh my god she she they're gonna turn out it's the same person it's not it's not but this it's the same positionality and so interesting to see, so yeah. two cheating couples exactly exactly okay um and she actually then meets the wife of her co-worker that's being cheated on the cousin that's who, actually that's okay this is so messy <laughs> yeah it's messy but but again their their relationship has nothing to do with each other but it's and mm-hmm. she knows that she's she's a mistress and she knows about that other person's life but that person doesn't know about her life at all and it's mm-hmm. it's it's interesting just to you i know there's a lot of flame that can go towards someone who's who's cheating um especially it's like oh this white woman's cheating and this brown family this immigrants like you know there's a lot of flame that can go in that direction but Ooh, yes yes man <laughs> but again in a similar way that this story the third and final continent is very humanizing it's it's a very humanizing take and um 
reading it made me think like I was like, man, this is a, the character's name is Miranda. And she kind of knows she's making a poor decision. And I'm like, man, mm-hmm. Miranda, you're making a poor decision. But as I was reading it, I thought, but life is full of us making poor decisions. Um, mm. That is not to say that you should make them, but but merely right. to say that, that is, that's the tapestry of existence. And I, I think what I like mm. about this writer is that she writes it so well. It's that tone that she takes, this almost matter-of-fact tone that mm-hmm. allows you to know that, like, this is life. People make choices. And mm-hmm. uh, there's no right choice. Oh, well, there are right choices. But there's choices and there's consequences and there's continuing to move on. And, and it, it's just the theme is the same throughout the book. I don't want to pontificate too much. But um, yeah, that's it was interesting. Good. Just to add on that super quickly, I did not read Sexy yet, but I absolutely will after this. Honestly, everyone's probably like, bitch, why did you... So, oh, so you just so you just gonna show on the on the podcast? Just <laughs> it's a summer what, short, but, people. <laughs> right? It's, it's like okay, summer short girl, whatever. Anyway, um, but based off of what you just said, that's interesting because I feel like it's it's interesting to explore that idea of like passing the threshold of a decision that you know that you shouldn't make or that you feel as though you should not mm-hmm, make. It's interesting because mm-hmm. it's like once you like the act of cheating itself. It's like fairly, I mean, it's like you just you just do it. It's just a thing that happens. It's a behavior that takes place and you exit the situation and it just kind of, your life just continues. And not to say there's not consequences for it, but it's like sometimes like that threshold of like, oh my God, I can't do this. Or, oh my God, like we should never do this. Da, da, da. It's like, it's like once you actually pass it, it's fairly um, run of the mill. I'm not sure if I'm making sense, but it's just like, no, it's, it's interesting to explore the idea of like, the thing that is most off the table is how you perceive it, not the actual action itself. Right. It's just that you really think that when something like this happens, like there'll be a sign or a something or someone will, right. you know, there'll be more pomp and circumstance. But it's mm-hmm. not that that's the thing you think when you're younger, right? And, and as mm-hmm. you get older, you realize, and for various people, it's, it's, it's different things. You know, some things you're like, well, of course that's the case. And other people would be mm-hmm. like, wow, I really thought there would be more pomp and circumstance if that happened. Um, mm-hmm. But I think we're surprised or shocked sometimes by how mundane and normal something exactly. that someone exactly yeah that would be would be yeah that's yeah. exactly it it's like it's, yeah. it's almost a this cartoonish idea that like if you were to do something like that like i don't know someone's gonna jump out of the corner and be like oh my god like you're doing right. you know like, but right. it's just like you just do the thing and then it, you're no longer doing the thing and then do another thing you know like right. it's just like in like life is just a period of, like you're just doing things and then no longer doing things and then some of those things are like oh yikes but then other right. things are just right. like brushing your teeth it's just like a thing that you do in this like you said this odd tapestry that we are now just in, in. and <laughs> there's like a point we're not. right until we're not and there's a point she was right. like I guess as a mistress, I should have a certain type of outfit, right? Like, but before that point, she doesn't have that outfit. And it's almost like she's putting on. It, it's just like you have an idea of what something looks like until it happens. And then mm. it happens and it doesn't necessarily look anything like that at all. <laughs> and it's painful or it can be shocking to you or it can be beautiful. And which you kind of see mm-hmm. from the two the two books, it's just about continuing to to live and see where it takes you and also make good choices i know we said like oh everything you just have but like, just still please i don't please don't listen to this podcast and yeah like, like, like <laughs> i kind of realized the subtext of what i just said after i said it and i was like oh that kind of came off as like nothing matters right it's things like, matter things yeah matter. oops <laughs> sorry y'all oh <laughs> it's God. a weird time please don't listen to we're us for life time. advice we're not right we're not we're not counselors do you want to hear my quote <laughs> yes let's talk about your quote let's just be that <laughs> 
So um, this one is from the third and final continent, and it's actually the ending line. I think it's really beautiful, and it resonated with me. Um, Mm -hmm. So it goes, uh, there are still times I am bewildered by each mile I have traveled, each meal I have eaten, each person I have known, each room in which I have slept. As ordinary as it all appears, there are times when it is beyond my imagination. Mm. Yeah, I liked it. Wow. I feel like that really punctuated our discussion super well. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, I think we should, uh, maybe we should go out on a little adventure ourselves. So that means this this podcast has to be a little over. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Just like a tad over, just like a spice of over. We'll see you next in two weeks. But until then, (laughs) until then, if you want to contact us, you can hop on our Twitter at at the color pages. You can follow us on that Instagram, DM us if you want. Oh, look at that at these color pages. Okay, that's an S E at the end of the of the V that's in the Twitter. Okay. You can also send us, shoot us an email. Be like, you guys got sexy completely incorrect, or the third and final continent had nothing to do with anything you guys just talked about. Please um, throw it at us at thesecolorpages at gmail.com. You can also go to our website, thesecolorpages.com. Hey, check out all the little tidbits, our little notes, our reviews, our thoughts and feelings, you know, and yeah. leave us a comment and rate and review. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, leave us. We're still doing that thing with um, Book of Martha. Book of Martha. So if you leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, once we get to 25, if we have not reached it by the time of this recording, we will release Book of Martha, which is episode zero, where it's like us pre the glitz and the glam and, you know, all of that, like pre foundation and, you know, contour (laughs) and all that. It's just just bare (laughs) shit, just bare bones, just we're in Aqua's apartment, just making a podcast. So if you would like to hear that, definitely leave us a little something on Apple podcast but also for our android users out there as well uh wherever you listen to this podcast we also yeah. really appreciate a rating review. don't worry well. i got an android too i'm not on that apple nonsense sorry All right, right. <laughs> <laughs> we have to break down the <laughs> apple industrial complex but yes so Akko, is there anything else that we should leave our listeners with before we head out no i think that sums it all up just until we see you next time remember to stay, stay colorful, colorful.